with Sergio and the vet is back for another week. Quarantine be damned. Restrictions be damned. We're always going to be here. Even if wrestling shuts down, we're still going to be here. We're going to talk about something. I don't know what we're going to talk about. We can figure it out because we always call it in the ring, right, Serge? That's right. Calling in the ring. That's how we were none, of that, none, of that, none of that pre-planned bullshit. That's right, damn it. Walk, walking through your match, doing the motions. Oh, and, then I, and then you go to the corner, and then I'm going to... No, none of that. Call it in the ring. So That's right. Yeah, man. So how, how you been doing? Everything cool? Yeah, man. Uh, shit. Same old, same old. Um, I'm having a hard time getting to these crowdless shows. Uh, thank God for YouTube. I can kind of watch the, uh, the the clips for the most part. It's kind of what I've been doing. What about you? Well, you know, I was thinking about that very thing. And I'm starting to realize something. Uh, you know, if the shows were really good, it wouldn't matter if there was people there or not. Because think about it. You don't need the people to tell you what's good or not. If they cheer or if they boo, you know what there's, you know what's supposed to be going on. So I think what's really happening is with, with these empty shows, empty arena shows, it's really just exposing how bad and lazy that they've, they, they've been for the past several years. Because they're not doing anything different. They're just going about acting like it's business as usual. There's just no people out there. But they're still doing the same shit, the same boring promos, the same long matches, like nothing's different. So it's just that now it's even more in your face, like how bad and lazy and boring this stuff has been. But it's been like this. It's really nothing new. I guess you have, you'd, have to, you'd have to think about like, uh, for example, let's say like the CM Punk pipe bomb promo, for example. I mean, would it have been just as good and with no crowd? I, I, don't, I don't know. I kind of find it hard to believe. I think it would because he's what he was saying was different and, and unique to, you know, you'd be listening to him, you know, again, you don't need the people that tell you how to react. Right. Sergio, you're your own man. You don't need them. Yeah, to cheer. I mean, I think... it's like, Oh, they're, they're cheering. So I should cheer. You don't need that. It does make, it does. Obviously it, it adds to the atmosphere, but they also do like, Anytime they would do like a vignette or a pre-tape or something like that, the crowd's not really involved in that either. So, you know, those things are always just as corny, whether there's people in the building or not. And now that they're out there having matches, that part's kind of weird, but the match is the match. You, you've you seen match. You know what a match is. It's really what it's affecting is like you're seeing how bad the the writing and the, the acting and stuff is, which it always has been. Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, like, just like, for example, the AEW shows are more watchable. I can actually sit down and watch the entire show because there is, you know, some people on the outside. Just, I don't know what it is. To me, it, make, it makes a huge difference to me. But, um, you know, nonetheless, there was, some, there was some pretty good stuff throughout the week, I would say. Well, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. but, but first, as always, we're going to lead off with the news of the week. That's right. So uh, this week, uh, a couple more releases. We've got the release of uh, Kane Velasquez and Gerald Briscoe. Gerald Briscoe is actually—I didn't—I didn't realize he's been with the company for uh, let's see here, I think thirty-four years. Crazy, huh? Yeah, um, yeah, a long time. Um, and I can understand them releasing him because what he was mostly doing was scouting amateur wrestlers. Yeah. So, because that's his area of expertise. So, anytime he thought somebody would have an aptitude for the biz. Uh, he would, you know, 
try to scout them, see if they were interested, try to get them. So he's probably responsible for the guys like the Jason Jordans and the Chad Gables of the world um, and other people, I think too. Brock Lesnar, so I think Brock and uh, Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. yeah, of course, you know, going back that far. So, uh, you know, so it makes sense that right now he can't really be doing that. So they're probably just kind of like, well, you know, furlough, furlough, I think he got a furlough. Yeah, right? probably. So, so they'll bring him back once everything's back to normal. I'm sure, you know, Vince, Vince, not going to throw a guy out in the street like that. Plus they still got the Briscoe brothers, uh, you know, auto body shop, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) it's worth the drive. So, and the Kane Velasquez release, I'm not too surprised by him. I'm sure they're paying him a lot of money and I don't know, man, um, if he ever is going to get good, I think he's a long, long ways away. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's just another case of having to pay a guy a lot of money for nothing right now. So once yeah. once once everything normalizes again, I'm sure they'll bring him back. It's just you can't be paying a guy for nothing. You, no one can be paid for nothing right now. Um, so so that that makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah, it's just uh, it's mind boggling on who gets released and who doesn't. Like uh, we'll we'll talk about the Drake Maverick situation, but. I'm almost to the point where I almost feel like it's a, it's a work. Like he's not really released. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Kind of. But I mean, also at the same time, like the opposite of what we were just saying about, you know, came Velasquez, how much could Drake Maverick be making? Probably not much. So, you know, if it's really his dream job, they've got him over a barrel and they can pay him like a little bit of money and he'll be happy with it because he's living his dream. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely was probably on the low side. For example, uh, Hannibal on YouTube has been covering a lot of uh, the WWE salaries, according to the uh, Forbes, I guess. So it's, it's legitimate numbers. And I was surprised by how low some of the women were getting paid. I think, so for example, Becky Lynch is the highest paid woman. She's making like $3 million a year. Uh, in fact, I think she's making more than Seth Rollins, which is kind of funny. But you, you look at Charlotte, who's making, she's making five hundred grand a year. And you go all the way down to Liv Morgan, who's making eighty grand a year, which I was very surprised by. I was like, "Whoa!" So it's crazy how those, how much those numbers, how how different they are. You know, like I, I wouldn't have guessed Becky Lynch is getting paid that much more than uh, Charlotte. You know? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't be- I don't believe that number for Becky Lynch. I think what they can probably do there is like you could take, you could take a Liv Morgan. And you could give the shoot downside of 80000 if that's what it is, you know? Yeah. And then that makes it seem like, oh, well, it's only Liv Morgan, so that makes sense. And you could take your top female, Becky Lynch, and inflate the number. So Becky Lynch's downside, there's no way it's $3 million. Uh, but if you take into account all of her earnings, it's probably close to $3 million. You know, you're yeah, talking that's... about the video games, the toys, the shirts, like all that stuff on top of whatever her downside is, which is probably closer to like... You know, I'm just going to spitball and say anywhere from like 750 to a million, 1.25 maybe. But there's no way like her downside is $3 million. That's insane. Nobody's yeah, that is, that. That, that's the part that was confusing. So, for example, Brock was number one. I think he was getting like, a, I don't know, 14 million or something. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Roman Reigns was two at 5 million. Um, Orton was like third at like three million or something. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that if that necessarily uh, like you said, that's probably not just the downside. But 
Right. But they can but they can make it seem as big or as little. Brock Lesnar making 14 million seems uh that seems astronomical to me. Like are they talking about every all the money he's ever made since he's been there? <laughs> they you cannot know, afford just... to there's no way he brings him brings in enough for them to justify paying him 14 million a year. Uh, I don't know, man. But then there's there's a weird stuff too. It's like the New Day, for example. All three of them were listed at 500 grand a year. The mm-hmm. uh, Bray Wyatt, 500 grand a year. Um, but then you have like Lana, who I heard is making like 500 grand a year. So uh, I don't know. The numbers are weird. But then again, I mean, they're they're paying people to not work anywhere else. So you know, it's a interesting time. Yeah, well, just just the easy rule of thumb is just don't believe any number. Like whether it's higher or lower, it's not the right number. Whatever's being reported, they can report whatever they want. There's no verification of that. Yeah, that that just reminded me something. So a guy like Drake Maverick, who's really low on the totem pole in terms of being the 205 Live Journal manager and whatnot, I'd have to assume was his downsides maybe a hundred grand or something. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a work job. <laughs> Like yeah. they're, they're they're figuring out his pay based on the fake job he has. Yeah, so strange. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I yeah, I don't know. With with these releases, what's weird to me is not so much who they release and who they didn't, but like they didn't just make a whole list and release it all at once. It's almost like they just forgot. Oh yeah, Gerald Briscoe too. You know him too. He's out. You know, like a week later or whatever. You know, it's kind of weird how they did that. Or even the, when they were releasing people, they, they were releasing them like every few minutes. There'd be like a new batch of people. It's like, yeah. can't you just, if you're going to do it like that, why can't you just make one list and do it one time? Why do you have to like keep releasing names out? It's just, I don't know. Surprisingly enough, uh, Laura Sullivan's still in her contract, but I think the WWE rule is to not release anybody while they're injured, allegedly. So that might have something to do with it. Yeah. So he'll be in no hurry to recover, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so another news here, we have uh, WWE is being sued again by shareholders for insider trading. Uh, so it looks like basically uh, the, the shareholders are alleging that the company made false statements about its financial prospects and executives sold stock for inflated prices ahead of known poor financial reports that would drive down costs and amidst problems with the Saudi Arabian government, which WWE has touted that it's key to its financial success. Yeah, Ryback was saying that Saudi Arabia is the new WrestleMania in terms of uh, the the wrestlers' paydays. I could see that. I could see that. Um, can you imagine, like, a bunch of uh, carny hucksters, uh, you know, getting involved in you know publicly traded um, as a publicly traded company and all kinds of shady stuff happening? Like, can you believe it? I can't believe it. I'm shocked. Uh, very, very shocking. Yeah, so this this is nothing new. They've been sued a million times before. Um, it is interesting to note that there's multiple class actions, that meaning different sets of shareholders uh, went and got different law firms to represent them uh, to sue to sue the the WWE for this stuff. And you know they may have a case because um, this isn't just like, oh, I got you know we all got concussions while we were working in the WWE, so give us money, you know that that kind of thing. It's like. You know, this is something a little more specific. It's like uh, this, this, this has the potential to be very, very damaging. Um, and depending on how the WWE is able to handle it, which they've always handled it, 
you know, these kinds of things pretty well in the past. I mean, Jerry McDevitt, famously their, their lawyer, um, their lead attorney or whatever that, uh, you know, he's, a uh, he's pretty good at this kind of stuff. Um, but you know, as this, this had, this could be, a this could be the torpedo that sinks the battleship or at least one of them. Um, this, this Jeez. could, this could be like a, a part of a chain reaction of things. Like if, it's just um, it's bad timing too, you know, considering the current economy and everything like that. Like this, this could be something that does like a huge deal of damage. But we'll just have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah, I'd I'd bet on WWE will politically find their way out of this mess, but um, hopefully so. But uh, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, if you can if you can commit if you can commit the levels of fraud that they're purported to commit, then I'm sure you can figure out some other legal fraud that you can work around and, you know, pull the wool over everybody's eyes again. It's what they do. It's what professional wrestlers do. They work people until they're confused and just give up. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, That's all I have for the news. uh, Unless I'm missing something. Oh, well, I got a couple little things I could add on just for fun. Um, So for the video game fans out there, there's not going to be a WWE 2K21 this year, according to the interim (laughs) CFO, Frank Riddick, Frank Riddick III, excuse me. Um, But instead, we'll be getting something called the WWE 2K Battlegrounds, which looks like some cartoony bullshit. So it should fit right in with uh, the WWE's current product. Um. Yeah, so I saw the trailer for that, and I was kind of intrigued. Now it's definitely not as realistic as the uh, the previous games, like you said. It's a little, it'll, it's a little more cartoony looking. But uh, me not being a gamer, I was just, I, don't know, I was kind of intrigued by it. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll I'll purchase the game whenever it comes out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you will. Uh, there's a. It reminds me of something, kind of like. Um, well, it, I, it's probably Battlegrounds might be a play on. Uh, uh, what is it? There's like a. A be- the basketball one was like pl- 2k playgrounds or or something like that uh you know so it may be like a similar thing mm. but uh yeah it also looks like a game they're used to have what was it like legends of <sighs> legends of wrestlemania uh, superstars of Re- so there was some some cartoony looking game they had a few years ago that i don't remember the name of but um it kind of it kind of reminds me of that. Everything was like over the top, and the character models were like the proportions were weird. Like the the females, like looking at the Becky and the Charlotte in that little trailer, they just look weird with big heads and stuff. Um, so yeah, good for that. And um, well, speaking of the chicks, you reminded me. Uh, it's not necessarily news, but uh, for some reason, I was watching some old ECW. And and I got to the uh, WWE's ECW. I think it was 2006, maybe. And uh, and I was very shocked. I, I forgot this even happened. But do you remember those old Kelly Kelly promos where she'd come out, take off her bra, and cover her boobs with her hands, and then Mike Knox would Mike Knox would run out and cover her up. Yeah, you're talking about Extreme Expose on ECW yeah, on yeah. Sci-Fi. I was watching. And I was like, holy shit! I can't. I, I forgot that this stuff actually used to used to happen. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, just on a side tangent there. Yeah, but, but I'm like, man, that's what we, that's what we need today. Like, that's wrestling's missing that. <laughs> well, we've been we've we've debated this in the past. We might as well just revisit the debate again. I just don't think that um, 
you know, having girls that are stripping on TV for no reason really has anything to do with pro wrestling. Um, because you can get that yeah. anywhere and you can get way more of it. You know, we all have, we all have, uh, we all have all the porn in the world in our pocket. So we don't need wrestling shows for that. Oh. This reminds me of the good old days. <laughs> the good old, those weren't even the good old days. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, look, Kelly, Kelly, I've got no complaints, but what I'm saying was, and, and in a way it kind of, that was kind of the stuff that ECW was doing. Like Paul, Paul Heyman would promote that kind of shit. He didn't have women wrestling. He had cat fights and, you know, there was like something about Kimono Wanalea dancing naked on a rooftop somewhere, you know, that's the uh, kind of shit that Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman used to promote. Um, so, you know. But you know, it's it's like I don't I don't really see how that really. I don't see I don't see how we need that. I don't see how we need it. It's it's not to say that women can't have their own sex appeal, but I mean I find the to personally not all of them, but I find a lot of the women today have their own sex appeal and they're very attractive. And some of the stuff that they're wearing, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like. Uh, you know they're they're dressing like puritans or anything like that. I mean, you see what you see what Sasha Banks wears. She show is Sable had like most of her body covered up. Sasha Banks shows a lot of skin, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you know if you're into if you're into that kind of stuff, it's there for you. It's just that they're being presented like you know competitors um, that can actually do stuff rather than just roll around and pull hair or you know pillow fight or the other dumb stuff that you wouldn't see like. You wouldn't see that. What if the, you know, you don't see the NFL, you know, have their cheerleaders, you know, have like a, um, you know, an evening gown match or whatever, like at halftime. And it would be weird if they did. And no matter how, how much anybody would, would any guys would, wouldn't admit, uh, you know, wouldn't admit that they didn't want to see it. Um, it still would be weird to see it if it happened. At the very least, it'd be interesting to, to do like a rating experiment because I guarantee if you promote something like that, the ratings will go up. I mean, you can't guarantee that. True. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. There's so, that word again. Yeah, there's that word again. Guarantee. <laughs> uh. So another in, in another fun in another funny news for something that you know can't guarantee. Did you see how um you can uh. You know, you can buy some dirt from the WWE for 75 bucks. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> right. That was so, uh, interesting. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to get a commemorative plaque of uh, WrestleMania's um, Boneyard match or whatever, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll give you one and um, it'll have like a little capsule of the dirt from the Boneyard, allegedly. That you, you that you can in no way prove that they actually got from that Boneyard. Yeah. There's no way to prove that. But seventy-five bucks is a small price to pay to, to have the chance, <laughs> chance that you might have like a piece of dirt that was on AJ Styles or something. You know, what is it? How do they package it? Like, what does it look like? Do you know? Well, they said I, the word I believe they used was capsule. So I think what they 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 could have like a small little capsule, you know, like a pill size or whatever of dirt or however big the capsule can be big. Um, it can be bigger than just like a pill, but. This is a small little thing, and then you can kind of tack it. You remember when they had those plaques? They would like cut up pieces of the mat 
you know, from like commemorative matches, like for example, WrestleMania 12, um, they had that Shawn Michaels plaque, um, where they had like a little piece of the mat from the Iron Man match. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I mean, I've got title belts. I've got the money in the big briefcase, but I don't really have much interest in buying some dirt. <laughs> well, okay. But it's out there just in case someone yeah, is. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, but that's all I got. So I was desperately trying to look up that game that I was thinking of, but Google's failing me now. Have you signed up to uh, Camille's Patreon? I have not. I don't really like Camille like that, you know? Oh, really? Okay. I'm a huge fan of Camille, but I, I'm, I'm a fan of Camille and her environment. Uh, like, you know, her her uh, her great promos and um, her striking presence. I don't need yeah. to see her, like, doing, like, you know, low-grade softcore stuff for money. I'm not really into that. Yeah, plus she's probably not totally nude, so it would be pointless. <laughs> Now, if I were if I were to sign up to any Patreon, I'd have to choose a uh, Jordan Grace. That's for sure, man. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's disgusting. That's just, that's absolutely <laughs> the grossest thing that I've ever heard in my life. And with that, um, there's nothing to talk about on AEW Dark, so we could go ahead and stick a break in now, and then we could come back and just go right to Dynamite. How about that? Sounds good. Okay, we are back and we are talking about AEW Dynamite. Um, just, you know, uh, the first note I have is fuck everything else that happened in this show. But did I see the Young Bucks like giving each other a Canadian destroyer into the pool at their house? Did I see that? <laughs> did that yeah, fucking they were, happen? They were having a full-blown wrestling match. Dude, they were doing um, tornado DDTs on the grass. Like, kind of like, you know, I did all that shit when I was in high school. You know, all that, you know, backyard wrestling on the grass. Uh, but they were, actually, they were actually doing that, which is interesting, considering they do have a ring at their house. But, uh, all right. Did you, you watch, <laughs> did you watch that? What was that, like, being the elite or something? Or what was that? Um, I I didn't I saw clips. I want to say it was on their being being the elite show. Which, by the way, uh, they they like to end their shows with cliffhangers. And the cliffhanger this week was uh, they were sitting around and they and they're like, "What's that?" They look up to the they look up to the sky, and there's like clouds spelling FTR, which is the revival. Which isn't that shocking. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious where the revival is headed. But uh, that that was on the show, nonetheless. Yeah. Well. Fuck those guys. Uh, fuck them up the ass. Um, speaking of speaking of, you know, um, I took the I took the chance during that break that we had that long break that we just took uh, so that I could look up that game. And it was WWE All Stars is the game I was thinking of. And I can guarantee you that as over the top and cartoonish and impossible as that game is. Uh, nothing in it is as dumb as the Young Bucks having a match in their backyard and doing a Canadian destroyer off the diving board into the pool. Like, how is that supposed to hurt? It's a pile driver in the water. Like, how, is it, how does that hurt? You know? Welcome to uh, Pro Wrestling in 2020. I saw yeah. this. Uh, so, 
so Impact had this, uh, well, I guess they had a pay-per-view. And I saw this clip. It was just this goofy fucking, it was four dudes. And they were doing like a, um, a waist lock, but four guys in, like in a train. Mm-hmm. So the guy in the front would reverse it, go to the back. So now, so now, you know, you still have four guys in a row if you can picture that. Uh, and they and they did the reversals for like it was, must have been two minutes, and it was just like some some goofy shit. I don't know, man. I guess, I guess that's just the, the thing today. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. I just I what what more can I say that I haven't already said? Like I've already cussed these people out. Um, Jim Cornette does it every week, twice a week. You know, there's no, there's no, really nothing more I can say. Like if you if you really want to if you really want to hate these guys as much as I do, listen to Jim Cornette's drive through and the Jim Cornette experience. He can say it better than I can, but I mean, goddamn, you know, like how do you even reverse a waist lock from four guys away? Like, do you just do you just get out of the waist lock and run to the back? <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what happens. Yeah, and they it all was just, just a goofy comedy spot. Um, man. Uh, speaking of Jim Cornette, did you see him comment on uh, Joey Ryan's Twitter post? Yes, I did. That was hilarious, dude. He he said uh, he calls he calls Joey Ryan dick boy, and he says any grown man that uses the words bully culture is a pussy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, you're right. Like who like who uses that word? Dude, if, if we didn't talk about wrestling every week, we would never say the word bully. Like, you and I would never say that in life. You know? That's like something yeah. that little kids say and that fucking wrestling says. And it didn't even uh, used to be in wrestling. You know? I like Jerry Ryan. He's a nice guy. But he's kind of the leader of this whole politically correct... Not the leader, but he's definitely on the front lines of doing a lot of politically correct... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Progressive stuff so here's the thing about joey ryan okay joey ryan never had to go this route because he's he could have been just a normal wrestler but with the gimmick of being like a creep sleazeball guy that there's nothing that says that you can't do that and be a normal wrestler right like you never had to do a a penis suplex you never had to do any of this weird shit like the having the lollipop and the sunglasses and the hairy chest and all that shit like that was enough you know you didn't have to take it any further than that you you carved out your own niche and that was fine but you you took it too far and started doing this cartoon bullshit you know it's not even cartoon bullshit i call it cartoon bullshit uh in the wwf in the 80s and 90s when everybody had jobs you know like plumber garbage man stuff like that that's cartoon bullshit this <laughs> This is what I like to call the impossible wrestling, meaning if this was real, this is not possible. Like no one can lift a person with their penis. It's just, it can't happen. I don't care how light the person is and I don't care how big the penis is. No one's getting lifted, by it, <laughs> let alone suplexed, right? So I'm not even going to call it, you know, that. Um, Jim Cornette, what does he call them? The cosplay, cosplay wrestlers, you know, like they're all cosplaying yeah, yeah. as wrestlers, which is fairly accurate. Um, but that's the problem. Like every, every subsequent generation starting from when the whole thing was a shoot all the way up till now, they've took it, you know, it, it was going down this road. It just took like a hundred years to get here, but now we're here. And now where do you go? Where do you go from here? Like, you know, there, I don't, I don't know what's next. We've already done, we've done impossible things. We've done movie matches. What What's left to do? 
Like shooting somebody oh, with a gun, a new a gun on a pole match where you just shoot a guy for like what are you what are you gonna do? You know? uh, oh, AEW is already doing it. They're having jobbers kick out of people's finishers. Uh, wait, uh, oh, that, that, are you are you are you referencing that guy that worked Kenny Omega? Yes. Okay. Well, he didn't kick no, out of Kenny Omega's was, finisher. Well, he kicked out of the uh, that needed the face gimmick, which ended up. Being the finisher after he hit yeah. it twice, right? Be, so know. what that? So what? So in Kenny O's, okay, we'll talk about that now. So in Kenny Omega's mind, this is this is his psychology. He's thinking, okay, I'll give this guy a kick out of one of my setup moves, um, but I'm not even going to use my real finisher to beat him. I'll just hit him with another setup move, and that should be enough for him. You know, that's what he's thinking. He's thinking I'm protecting my finisher by not even giving it to this guy. Right. That's that's his that's his thought process. Okay, well, that would have been cool and all um, if you didn't have like a 10 minute competitive match with him. You know, you should you should have murdered this dude. And the guy didn't even look like anybody. You know, it'd be different if the guy was bigger than Kenny. You know, you know, like if it was like a Wardlow size guy or something or even a little bit smaller. Or, or one of these other athletic jobbers that they have down there. Um, if you had a competitive match and you want to tell the story that Kenny Omega is taking it lightly and gets surprised a little bit, then he has to kind of turn it on at, at the end. You know, that's a different story. But here's the thing about Kenny Omega. He doesn't know how to work, man. You all thought he know how to work, and you called him the greatest wrestler in the world. Not to not you, Sergio, but you know the the people out there that said it, all these fans yeah. of his and whatever that were saying he's the best wrestler in the world. Well, I already said this once, but just in case anybody didn't hear it or don't remember, I'll say it again. The only reason anybody knows Kenny Omega's name right now is because of Okada. Okada put Kenny Omega on the map. Before before Okada, the only time I heard of Kenny Omega was like, that's the guy that does the Street Fighter moves in the ring. And then I saw him as like, oh, that's the guy that did a move on a blow-up doll. And then the next time I heard about him was him having a Tokyo Dome main event. Okay? So everybody thinks that he's the greatest wrestler in the world because he has these three great matches. Well, come to find out, when he wrestles anybody that's not Okada, it's the shits. So... You know, you guys are some of some of these people are being surprised by this that he's doing this, but he only knows how to have one kind of match, which is do everything. It doesn't matter who your opponent is. You know, he doesn't know how to have a get over match. He doesn't even know how to do a match that he doesn't do all the pre planned bullshit, as you said. So, don't yeah, I agree. I think I think I think he's good. I think he's one hell of an athlete, and I think he can have a five star match with a lot of guys. But I'm you know, but at the end of the day, I'm you know. I'm not. I don't put him over like everyone else does. Man, if you if you take a guy with his ability, and you put him in there with, with a guy that has a brain, I mean, you can definitely have any kind of match you want. But if you leave it up to him, well, I mean, this is what you're going to get. You get you get diving out of the, diving out of the ring and almost injuring himself on guardrails, you know, in front of no people. That's what you get from him when you leave him to him, his own devices. So, and I like Kenny Omega, the guy, like as a person, I think he's a cool guy or whatever, just from what the little bit I've seen and heard from him, I have no problem with him, like in that aspect, but he's got a lot to fucking learn about this business. You know, I don't know if his attitude's right. Um, I think, I think that's the problem with AEW. It's almost as if like the inmates are running the asylum. Like I don't, I feel like (laughs) the inmates, the inmates founded the asylum. Yeah. 
I feel like they need. I feel like they need one guy, like one, like you know, controlling everything, you know, and, and filtering stuff. But I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know how to run a wrestling company, but well, they th- they think that's Tony Khan, but Tony Khan's just a mark. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't be a fan and do this. That's just not. That's not how it works. But who else? Who 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 can you just? You, you, there's no school for promoting. Like you don't go to school to promote. That's a very, you either know how to do it or you don't. You're either like Dana White or Vince McMahon and you're able to figure it out or you're, or you're not, but you don't just learn how to do it, you know? So Tony Khan can't, he can't just step into that role and be a Vince McMahon or a, you know, or a, or a, a Dana White or any of those guys. He doesn't know. He's just a fan, you know, doesn't matter how big a fan he is or if he can encyclopedically recite, you know, stats and info from obscure wrestling shows in the past that doesn't mean you know anything about what you're talking about uh so i got good news and bad news the good news is we got another orange cassidy match on this show the bad news is it's with jimmy havoc so yes so we're not gonna get the uh what i call the five star match uh that he had with um you know pack pack whatever However you say it. Do we decide it's pack, right? Or is it pop? It is. I keep, it is. I keep, I keep hearing is. both. I keep hearing people say it both ways. And I'm like, I thought we decided it was pack. I feel like when he was originally pack, he was puck, but me, <laughs> but then he changed the pack. I don't know. It just sounds weird. Well, I need, <laughs> I need him to say it. I need him to say it with his own mouth. Uh, once and for all, if he starts referring himself in the third person, you know, the, the pack says, know your damn role. Uh, something like that. Uh, anyway, so Jimmy Havoc is using the Rampage. So Nia Jax gave it to, did, did she give it to um, to Jimmy Havoc? Did she like pass it on to him? Like uh, the way Paige passed it on to her? Like, uh, I don't want to do it anymore. It, it involves like picking somebody up and that's too much work for me. Jimmy, you can use it. Is that how it works? He was using the uh, acid rainmaker, which that felt bad coming out of my mouth. But uh, I, I don't think I noticed. I, I tend to. I think I kind of tune out when I see Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. Well, I thought you know since it was Orange Cassidy, but he didn't. I mean, he lost. He lost the match, right? Because some interference doesn't really matter. He just hit that DDT. It's like a. It's like a fisherman's DDT kind of thing. That's what. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the rampage, I remember now. The rampage is a fisherman's yeah. DDT. It looks like it could be dangerous. I feel like the guy is close to getting spiked. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well, that, that, that was that. So not a five star, but that's the difference between, I noticed that of the, the two matches that orange Cassie has had has both been against guys from England. So maybe he could wrestle somebody from another country soon and we can see, you know, maybe that'll be like a, a, a good, a good test. We've seen one good match and one bad match. I wouldn't say bad, just not really good. So we'll see. If, if maybe you could try a guy from America, you know, just see how that works. True. Yeah, I did like the pack match. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, pack match is awesome. Um, well, actually, well, actually, next week we're going to see him in a six-man tag, uh, right? Yeah. Or no, maybe, uh, maybe he's not in the match. Never yeah. mind. Well, even if, he's, even if he is, six-man don't count. Yeah, yeah. Singles match, baby. That's where the money's at, right? Uh, Lee. So Lee Johnson... Um, had a match. Um, 
I'll be honest. I didn't think the guy that was responsible for a QT Marshall's lone singles win was going to beat Wardlow. Um, but he did put up more of a fight than the other guy. So, you know, it was something. Did you notice uh, Wardlow's music change a little bit? Did it? What was different about it? Because I, I felt like it might have been different, but still. It, not unless, I'm a, unless I'm mistaken, but I felt like there because I was paying attention because the first time I heard it, it was really awful. This time it was a little bit more. It, it was a little bit better. I don't, I don't. I don't know what exactly they changed. It just it sounds better. Hmm. I noticed but, that yeah, Wardlow looked impressive. I noticed that at the Revolution pay per view, uh, a lot of people got new mixes on their music, or you know, some other change, like lyrics added where there were no lyrics before, you know, stuff like that. Like they, they worked on people's music and debuted the new music at the pay-per-view and they've kind of had that since. I didn't really notice anything different about Wardlow's, but uh, maybe it was, or maybe it's just growing on you. Who knows? Uh, the point is uh, Lee Johnson didn't get it done. So in other news about jobbers, it looks like we... And by we, of course, I mean the Dark Order, of which I am part of, um, are recruiting uh, Vanilla Vance Preston um, because that's who was. If if you you might not have noticed um, if you weren't looking carefully, um, but that's who was on the computer, like typing in his uh, submission to join the Dark Order. Uh, did you catch that? Um. So I saw on Twitter people were congratulating him. Uh, and I, I didn't hear of him before, but I did notice. Um, I always noticed him on the outside of the ring in the in the group because he was kind of tall and jacked, kind of jack looking, you know. A little bit. Um, I was like, I was, I was like, who's that guy? Like, you know, why is he, why isn't he signed, you know? And then, well, sure enough, he's the guy that's uh, now part of the Dark Order. So and he's a pretty big guy, six two, two forty. He looks good. Uh, you you remember me talking about him a few weeks back, right? And I said, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I see, you know, you you like to call Okada vanilla, um but this guy's actually using it like as the gimmick, you know, nickname. <laughs> which is yeah. interesting. So Brandy Rhodes has that uh YouTube show a shot with Brandy or something where she like makes a drink. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I watch it is cuz Priscilla Kelly was on there and I think she's really hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I also noticed uh that Vance guy or whatever his name is uh kind of got involved as well and uh, yeah. Van- he has some pretty big arms. But Vanilla Vance Preston. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you, uh, did you join the Dark Order, Sergio? I don't remember if you did or not. No. Uh, I didn't, but I should. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the group. Might as well, you know. I'm in it, so it seems weird that one of us is doing a podcast with somebody that's not in it. I don't know. Anyway, something. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how far that group has come? When they first <laughs> made their, de- they first made their debut. I think it was Double or Nothing because I was there, and uh. Was it no? Whatever pay per view it was, the whole crowd was chanting, "Who are you?" you know, nobody, nobody had heard of them before. Mm-hmm. And then everything they did on TV, there was just it was the shit. The, the gimmick was awful, and I and I thought they were going to get rid of it, but they stuck with it. And now it's personally, it's one of the most entertaining things for me. Yeah. Well, to me, it's still just as bad as it ever was. But they just there's something to, there's some there's something to just sticking with it, you know. And now I'm yeah. part of it, so I really, you know, I can't talk down on it too much. Um, what does that say about me, right? But um, so, anyways, so we saw a Canadian destroyer in the pool, but you know, this this time we actually saw uh, a Canadian destroyer beat somebody. 
and that somebody was Kip Sabian, right? And um, so that means that Dustin Dustin Rhodes is not going to retire because he left an answering machine message um, for Cody. Which first, the first thing I'm thinking is, uh, is this really an answering machine, or is he listening to his voicemail, or what? Like, it, it seemed like he was an answering machine, right? It did, yeah. But I'm like, oh, who has one of those anymore? Um, but anyway, he's listening to it and he's basically saying, if I don't win this match, I'm going to retire. So I was like, okay, well, I guess he's winning this match because he's sure not going to retire. Not over Kip Sabian. So uh, he actually no. hit, he actually hits a Canadian Destroyer and puts him away. And that's the first time I've seen a Canadian Destroyer pin somebody since these guys have existed. Even before it was AEW. Back when they were doing like, you know... Uh, the the all in whatever you know like all their all their pay per views before they had a company name I don't think I've seen a Canadian destroyer get one pin this entire time but he finally got one last week. Yep. So is Dustin Rose putting his career on the line for the rest of the tournament, or was that just to make this match more important? I think he was saying if I can't beat fucking Kip Sabian, I'm going to retire. I think that's basically <laughs> what he was trying to say. If he loses to Lance Archer, there's really no shame in that. Well, see, up until then, I just, I kind of just assumed in my mind, I'm okay. Lance Archer has to win this because he can't be beaten yet, you know, in my opinion. But then I heard somebody match. I don't know if it was Conan or Russo, where they're saying that uh, it's going to end up being brother versus brother. And I'm like, oh, that kind of makes more sense. But that means Lance Archer has to lose in the process. So I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Um, I the they've already we've already seen the brother versus brother, and we don't need to do it again. Um, yeah, especially yeah. not this soon, really. I mean, it wasn't like, it's not like it was like two weeks ago or anything, but it was, it's soon enough that it was like a big deal. So we don't need to see that. But I do think that Cody is going to win that belt. Um, because he's going to fucking want to put some kind of belt on it. He, he's, he's not put himself over enough. I think he can't take it anymore. And he's like, Hey, I own this shit. I better put myself over soon. You know? And he, he made sure to, um, he made sure to not to take himself out of the world title picture so that no one could accuse him of putting the belt on himself that way. But I think, but you know, this is a carefully calculated, uh, approach that he, again, I assume that he learned from all his time around John Cena, um, to try to very scientifically determine what's the best approach to take with the fans. And even if the fans wouldn't have completely shit on him for winning the heavyweight title, I think he still thinks it would be better, um, a better look if he just goes for a secondary title and just takes takes the option off the table. You know, if he takes the option off the table, now no one's even questioning like, well, how come Cody doesn't put himself in the main event and stuff? He just he immediately gets rid of that. Um, so I, I will think, say, uh, yeah, he does and he, and he gets to go over and he gets to go over on Lance Archer, which that's uh, really yeah. the whole point, right? Like that's why. He brings him in, gets him over as a monster. Cody beats him, wins a championship. And who gives a shit what happens to Lance Archer after that? You know, he can go do something else, whatever. So. Yeah, I can see that. It seems kind of weird to have your two top champions as both as baby faces. But uh, I guess anything can happen. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Lance Archer and Darby Allen in the finals. Uh, but yeah, either way, it should be, should be a good match. Yeah, there's there's no way I don't I don't see Darby Allen's not going over. Like he's I like I like Darby Allen in that underdog role when he's when he's uh trying to def, trying to uh, defy all the odds, but you know he he ends up losing anyways. Mm-hmm. But he, he does a good job in those scenarios. So the way to get guys like that over doing that, you have to keep letting them be the underdog for a long time. 
you know we we haven't even been on we haven't, we haven't even been on tv for a year so he needs to keep losing those big matches that way when he ever finally does win the big match the people are going to come out of their seats you know but if you do it if you do it now it's like so you know it's not really you know he's he's getting over he's not super over so yeah, i would yeah. just say i would just say if you if you have plans for Darby Allen, you want to do something with him, and you want him to be the champ one day, which I don't think they're going to do that if they're smart. But if he could be the TNT champ, you know, just have have him come up short. You keep coming up short in these big matches. That's how you get people to uh, really get behind and really want Darby Allen to pull off that big win. You know, that's how you do it. Speaking of which, we we skipped his match, but I I actually liked his match with Sammy Guevara. Uh, it was like it was a train wreck, man. But uh. It was entertaining at the same time. That ladder spot, dude, that Guevara hit Darby Allen on the outside of the ring. Fuck, that shit uh, looked pretty painful. Yeah, which you go from that, you're starting this, this is before the match even starts. You break yeah. a guy's back on a ladder. And then by the end of the match, you're using technical wrestling holds to pin guys for the finish. It's like, you yeah, guys I was, have no clue I saw, what at all. I, I know I was watching. I'm like, there's no psychology, but it's still kind of entertaining. So, you know, it was what it was, I guess. <laughs> the problem with having no psychology is that you shouldn't, if you're going to have the no psychology match, there's a way to do that too. There's even a psychology to the no psychology match. You know what I mean? But it's like, people just don't get it. So to explain that, like to have a no psychology match, you just, you know, that that's going to be like a, it's usually those kind of like um, those no holds barred kind of brawling type matches, right? Where there's not really a lot of psychology and it just ends up being like a brutality for several minutes and then, you know, it ends. Um, but you don't, you know, you don't just, you don't do a no psychology match where you just do spot after spot after spot after spot because then people are like, they kind of, they kind of mentally check out or like, like we saw, um, the best example of that that we can talk about with AEW is the Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks match, the ladder match. Like by the end of that match, the people were just so tired of screaming that they, they couldn't even be into it. You know, you've already seen these guys <laughs> kill each other and they just kept going. Like you can't, you know, at some point you gotta, you gotta stop. Right. And the people can't, they're not going to keep up that level of energy the entire time. It's, it's overkill. So yeah. Even when there's no psychology, there's still psychology. There's always psychology. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, that, that, that's all I really had uh, for the Dynamite episode. If I, if I left anything out, um, go ahead and uh, remind me. But I said uh, everything I want to say. Yeah, okay. Um, so then we got, oh, let's go to NXT then. And so with NXT, we've got... Um, you know, Velveteen's out there and uh, he's doing his thing. And then, um, you know, like uh, what what happened? Um, where those guys, Undisputed Era, come out. They're jump Velveteen Dream. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, this roster is so diverse that I barely notice how it's three white guys stomping a black guy. Um, but, <laughs> you know, because they, they really are, man. They've got everybody. They've got everybody from like every country, uh, every size, shape all the genders, you know, it's, it's really impressive. And so now it's like when there's clearly a hate crime going on, I barely even noticed, but I did notice. Uh, so, uh, so, um, so we got, we also got, um, 
uh, what I'm going to call team kicking the balls um, uh, versus uh, Dakota Kai and uh, who? <laughs> Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, Raquel Gonzalez. Okay, yeah. So there was so, so, so speaking of psychology, there was so much wrong psychologically before the first break in this match that I can't even bother to break it all down. That would be a whole separate podcast for for everything like that. But nonetheless, everybody's just doing stuff, especially Shotzi. That's kind of her whole thing is just doing stuff. She's she's throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. I'm not sure if any of it stuck, but uh, you know she's trying. No one can accuse her of not trying. Uh, I did notice that uh, Tegan, um, she looked kind of, you know, we know she's got that bad wheel, like as a shoot, right? She's got the braces on it and everything. And she looked kind of unsteady in there. Like, did you notice that? Like when she was running around and stuff, she looked like she was wobbly and she wasn't selling. Like this is when she was supposed to be on the offense. It seemed like her footing was a little bit unsure. So I don't know if there's like something going on with her leg, but uh, I noticed that. Did you see that? I didn't notice it. No, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Did she break that same leg twice? I really don't know. Okay. I, that's, I, that's, my ex-girlfriend broke her leg, and, and, I, and I was with her the entire year during her recovery. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine going back to wrestling after an injury like that. You're, you're never the same. Right. Uh, well, this is her dream, Sergio. You know? <laughs> so, um, it was her dream to be in front of no people. Uh, wrestling with a crazy tag team partner um, against uh, Dakota Kai and someone I never heard of. And uh, so someone I never heard of won with a one-arm powerbomb. So uh, whoever she is, she's trying to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we mentioned earlier, uh, or maybe we didn't, but we were, you know, we were a little peek behind the curtain. We may or may not have been talking about Drake Maverick uh, before. And so now, um, you know, he's got a match for his cruiserweight tournament. So now I'm starting to worry, like, like they, they, they either turned, turned his firing into a story or the story is that he's fired and that's not even real. Like maybe he didn't get fired. So is he fired or is he not? We don't know. Do we? I mean, we're, we're, we're both guessing here and you know, if, if we can't tell, then I, I assume that you would not just sit there and be like, oh, you're released. By the way, please work three more matches. You know, that doesn't seem right. So maybe the most likely scenario is they change their mind. But he did his emotional, you know, video. And then, but then he's on WWE, like, what was it? The Bump? Is that what they call that show? I, I think that was the one where he goes on there and he's saying like, he, he's, but he's talking about it like it's a work. He's like, I've got to fight to, uh, I've got to win the Cruiserweight Championship to keep my, you know, to keep my job. And I'm like, what do you mean win? This is, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a real competition. So it's like, wh- what are they doing here? I, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Can you shed yeah, any so light on this? No, it's almost as if it's a work, but I almost wonder, he did get fired. Now they're turning that into a story, and I think the real story is Drake Mavic is really trying to get this story over so he could really get his job back. So he really is trying to get his job back. I don't know. That's kind of my, my assumption. But uh, we also we the- also can say Drake Maverick's good enough, like on the mic, that he could have cut a promo 
full well knowing that he wasn't fired and made it seem like he was really sad and crying. You know, he's a good enough actor. He could have pulled that off. And I feel like to me, uh, the most interesting thing about this tournament is the Drake Maverick story. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's weird. You, you look at all the guys. It's like if he if he really was if he really did get fired, you, you look at those guys and you're like, really, that's the guy they fired. It's like to me, he's just by far the most talented one. Um, you know, not just I mean, not necessarily I mean, not just in the ring, but just overall, you know, it's, I've, I've always been a I've always thought he was like really, really good. Just as, just as a performer, you know. Well, I'm not going to agree or disagree with that, but I will say that whatever he is, they haven't been using him to any kind of potential. Uh, so, this, ironically, this is the most TV time, the most consistent <laughs> TV time he's had. If he really is fired, that's yeah. ironic in itself. <laughs> yeah. So, so you aren't watching 205 Live every week. I was, and he was the general manager of it, and he was barely on. So, you know, go figure. Uh. Okay, so here's the question now. This is this is a, a fun one. They said he's 140 pounds. What do you think? Over or under? Uh, I would agree with that. I, I I believe he's 140. 140, huh? You sure? sure? Yep. He could be 130. Yeah, he could be. Okay, I'll take it. Um, so uh, now Jake Atlas is the gay kid, right? Yeah, they haven't mentioned it on TV, yeah. but uh, but well, he was open on the indies. He quite he quite tap danced around it in his little promo package or whatever, because he wanted to. He he like he he said everything you could say except that basically. I'm um, surprised. They're not, I'm surprised they're not putting it over. You think you think they would? You think it? I don't well, know, I I think it's it's a tricky thing because you don't want to like, <laughs> pardon the pun, shove it down people's throats. Um, <laughs> Because yeah. it's like, because then it's like, what am I supposed to care about him just because he's gay? There's millions of gay people, you know. You yeah. don't want to turn the audience against him that way, but you also don't. You also have to like, well, you you. Why should I care about this guy as opposed to any other number of guys that you have on your roster with semi-normal sounding names? I mean, Jake Atlas is clearly a worker name, but you know, uh, it's not like the Undertaker or something. So. You know, I guess wearing like a sparkly jacket is like as close as he's ready to go <laughs> to just say. Um, but that's these are the kind of things that, you know, when we can talk about this kind of stuff, because we're coming at it from a perspective of like a business. You and I are thinking of this like a business. Well, sometimes you sometimes I think you forget it's a business. But nonetheless, we look at it and it's like we don't have a problem with Jake Atlas being gay. We don't care if he comes out on TV or doesn't. But how you do it is important or, you know, it, it's because even if, even if, um, even if you, even if you don't have a problem with someone being a homosexual, you could have a problem with them trying to throw that at you. Like you're supposed to care just because of that. It could be anything though. Like, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm supposed to care about you just because you're from a country or if, if I'm supposed to care about you just because, you know, your parents died in a car accident or whatever the reason I'm supposed to artificially care about you, um, people have a tendency to reject that because they're, they know when they're being, uh, you know, um, what's the word manipulated. So, so you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Uh, I will say I, I did pop for his finisher. He did that cartwheel DDT from the from the top rope. I've never seen that before. Yeah, that was about that was kind of the only good thing he did. Um, the rest of his match, his timing was off. I don't know if you noticed that. 
Uh, it just seemed like he wasn't quite, he was either a step too slow or whatever. Now it may not have been all his fault. It might've been Drake's fault. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know when the last time he had a match was or whatever, but either way, like they didn't have the, uh, they didn't have the timing right at the beginning. It got a little less noticeable toward the end. He hit the cool cartwheel uh, DDT thing, but um, yeah, some, some, some was off there, but I, I, it looked like it was Atlas if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had he had quite a buzz when he got signed, but I don't know. To me, he's just I, I don't see anything ever coming out of a, out of a Jake Atlas, you know. Yeah, I I don't either, but we'll see. You know, he could be a good he could be a good enhancement talent. You know, contracted enhancement talent. It's another yeah, yeah. you got to have guys to um you know for other dudes to go over on. So, yeah, uh, right. so um, so then we we had a. Uh, we had a movie. We had another mini movie with the Kroger couple. Um, a little, <laughs> little date night at home, huh? Like a little dinner. Um, it had like, but it had like weird uh, editing and like special effects kind of thing. And I'm like, so what? So, um, so what is is are these are they editing it? Like, are they putting in like the color changing, the slow motion? Like, are they doing that themselves and then sending it to Triple H? Like, here, play this on TV, or do they just send a regular video and then, you know, like, I'm just saying, if this was real, like, how how are we supposed to interpret this? Um, they're just having a conversation at dinner uh, where things get weird. Um, yeah, what are we supposed to think here? Well, did you like this? What did you think of this piece? I actually was a big fan of the promo. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it was cool. And I like the story of the promo. It's like they're cutting a heel promo, but what they're saying made sense. It was almost like we're the heels, not them. I forgot what the exact, the exact verbiage was, but it was cool. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess they're heels. If, 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 I, mean, I guess right. Well, they essentially <laughs> they essentially cut the promo of like you fans never supported us. <laughs> That's basically what they said. They just didn't come out and say it as corny as they always said it. But I mean, that's yeah, essentially yeah. what they said. Yeah, the, yeah. The delivery wasn't as corny as it, as it could be, so they they worded it, you know, in a in the proper fashion. I would say. Yeah, and then I also noticed when uh, he told her, uh, "You go ahead and eat first. I was just watching her to make sure she ate something, or if she was just going to sit there the whole time not eating. But she she looked like she was chewing. So, um, you know, I'll give. No, her- it was it was chicken. It was a chicken breast, right? Broccoli, and what was the other thing? Was it a potato or something? Yeah, you know your standard little, little three three uh, th- three piece meal. Um, so, so then we got um, what else we got? We got uh, we got Jack versus Phantasma, and so this is the debut of uh, Elijo Del Phantasma, which we've all been waiting for. Um, and this is the first time. Is is this the first time you've seen the new gentleman, Jack? Or do you see no, his... I think I saw some clips of him recently before that. He definitely, uh, I guess he dropped the comedy gimmick, huh? Uh, kind of, yeah. What, what, the... you, know, you, know, he's, he's, you know he's a legit fighter in real life. Yeah, I don't know who he's fighting, but um, he, should, he needs to fight that tattoo artist. Is that is that ship on his chest as ridiculous as I think it is? Or am I just out of touch? I don't know, maybe because we saw the goofy Jack Gallagher. So when we see him now, he, he looks like... I just I can't buy that he's really tough, but I mean I'm, I'm I guess he is. So it looks a little goofy to me, but well, you know. 
yeah, even when he was when he was doing a comedy gimmick, he was still tough. But it was just like a different presentation. Like you knew he was tough. You knew he could scrap. You knew he knew a bunch of shoot holds and stuff like that. The only difference is now is his attitude. Um, but the tattoos don't really look good on his body, I don't think, because he doesn't really have a body. You know, he doesn't have a chest to put a tattoo on. And he so he looks like he looks like a fucking old spice bottle now. Um, I thought he did the comedy gimmick very well, and, and I felt like you, you could do a lot with that, which yeah. they didn't. No, they but didn't. But this, this tough guy thing, it's like, well, there's already a million of those. You know, he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. Right. I can assume. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that that's something they told him to do, and he probably didn't want to do it, but whatever. He's just going to do it. So that seems like that kind of thing. I don't think he... I don't think he came up with this idea for himself. But then again, um, you don't get a, a battleship tattooed on your chest if someone tells you to do it. You know, there's going to be pushback if you don't want to do that. So, uh, but anyways, um, you know, he's not making a debut here. Phantasma's making a debut. So what'd you think? You know, Phantasma looked a lot shorter than I remembered him looking, uh, for one thing. And, um, He's a little, you know, being allegedly off the gas, he's a little less cut than I'm used to seeing him. But, uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really like his gear that much. Um, quite frankly, I was underwhelmed by this match, <laughs> in case you couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah, he was, uh, uh, he was, so I saw some of his King Cuerno stuff in Lucha Underground. I saw some of his Impact stuff, and he was never really that impressive to me. I don't know. Um, what did impress me, though, was the fact that, you know, he, He's, you know, he's got a good look, and his English is fucking perfect uh, for a luchador. So I was impressed by that. So, but the presentation with him now, I, I, I hate it because he's got the mask. He's not speaking English. It's like, well, what's the point, dude? I mean, he's he's no different from freaking Grand Metalik or Lince Dorado at this point, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, Lince well, Dorado speaks perfect English as well. He does. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but- and and I will say, um. He did. I did notice in this match, Phantasma uh, seemed a little. Um, I don't know if he's still getting used to the American style, but he seemed like um, the the pacing and the timing was kind of off. Almost like maybe he got lost a little bit. There was a lot of there was a lot of moments where you can see him kind of like waiting for the next move, or you know what I mean. It, the, the flow is kind of off. Um. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. He's not. He doesn't work. He's not a traditional. Uh, lucha guy in the sense that he doesn't do like a lot of those flips and shit like the other guys do. He's a lot more grounded, even though he does he does hit one of his moves is the suicide dive. Uh, you know, that's like you know a, a big signature move of his because it looks like he just spears him with his head. Yeah, um, he, he does it well. And and you know, but he he other than that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's more grounded than some of the other guys. Uh, I don't think it's an issue with the american style i think he can work the american style just fine it may have just been an off day for him or maybe just no chemistry with jack i don't know what the issue was but um he i don't i don't he's not the type of guy that's like oh all i know is lucha he he can do anything so i i know that for a fact i've seen him you know so it's not a question of oh i don't know the american style he knows the american style it just wasn't that good so it happens we'll see but um, overall, this this debut is a little bit of a miss. Um, I'll tell you what wasn't a miss though. For some reason, um, you know, it was it was I don't know why, but so 
so Velveteen Dream was supposed to have a match with Undisputed Era, and they took out his partner. Who was his partner supposed to be? Keith Lee or something? Or uh, Keith, Keith Lee, yeah. Yeah, and they took him out or something. Like he couldn't. Somebody took him uh, out. I missed. Damian Priest take him out. Maybe I, I missed the takeout spot, but I was surprised by who his partner ended up being. Yes, right. So. We've been sitting here talking about Dexter Loomis like, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, man. We've been very lukewarm at best on uh, Dexter Loomis. But for some reason, when he came out there, I was like, man, I am into this. And it was cool, and he made a cool comeback. And his comeback was punches. Like, he's he's not, like, his gimmick is apparently, well, it's, it's probably a lot like what we imagine Killer Cross's gimmick should be like, where he's like the psychopath serial killer kind of guy. Um but he's not doing wrestling moves on spots. He's just going in there and like punching guys and choking guys. But it's a babyface comeback, like a hot tag comeback. And I was like, man, this is cool. You know, why, why, you know, whoever thought of this is a genius. I don't know why it worked, but it did. It shouldn't have, but it still did. I'm surprised. I'm surprised to hear you say that because I, I, I didn't like it at all. You didn't like it? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was it just, uh, it's, it's his character, man. It's just, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit for me. It just, it's weird seeing him in, in these matches, especially as a babyface. Um, ironically enough, though, I, I did read an interview with Shawn Michaels, and they asked him uh, who he sees as the next NXT main eventers, and uh, he did mention Timothy Thatcher and Dexter Loomis. So I was kind of surprised to hear that. Yeah, but he was just saying that because those are the two most recently, you know, profiled guys. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with what he really thinks. Like, why the hell would Shawn Michaels look at a guy like Timothy Thatcher and be like, yeah? That's a, he's nothing like what Shawn Michaels would, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it just did. It was weird. I, who knows, you know? But I mean, throughout the performance center together every day. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure he's got a different yeah. perspective. But yeah. yeah, he's got, he's got the perspective of a company guy. That's what he's got the perspective of, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> he's the guy that came out of retirement to work a Saudi Arabia match. So he'll do what he's fucking told. Um, <laughs> oh, he but, also mentioned uh, Killer Cross. That was the first name he mentioned. So, yeah. Right. Right. So. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, dude, uh, I, I was not, I've not been, I've not really been into Dexter Loomis for one minute until right this moment uh, when he did this. And then I was like, oh, this is a cool spot because it's different. I wouldn't have expected this and it kind of worked for me. And it's a cool way to, um, it's a cool time to do it because with no people in there, you don't run the risk of like the fans not being into it. So you can try it see how it goes and you can't obviously you won't be able to get the fans instant reaction but you can try to play out the storyline and see if you get any feedback you know like on social media or whatever and see what people say or just see how it comes off in general and i like the idea that two guys that have absolutely nothing in common um you know would be it's it's more intriguing because i you you just look at a guy like you look at you look at him. It's clearly you know obviously if you're a serial killer, uh, who's who looks like he's dead inside, uh, you just sort of peg that as a heel gimmick. Um, but then you think of like, well, you know, if you're going after the undisputed era, who are the you know the top of the business, why wouldn't somebody like that? Why wouldn't a serial killer look for a high profile target? You know, and who's more high profile than Adam Cole? You know, it, it makes complete sense, but stuck in the backwards eighties thinking of like, well, all heels are friends and all baby faces are friends. You know, um, this is playing, <laughs> yeah. this is playing with that a little bit and I want to see what they do. Now I assume that because it's a WWE company, they're going to fuck it up, but you know, we'll see where it goes from here. 
Uh, speaking of Velveteen Dream, did you hear the news on him this week? Uh, uh, according to him, his Instagram got hacked, and there was some nude photos of him sent out to an underage person. I don't know, and I was I was more curious as to if it, if it was sent to a male or a female. Um, but nonetheless, he's saying that he was hacked. There's a little controversy there. It's just being investigated. So did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. Well, don't you yeah. think that would have been a news item that could have got brought up? Yeah, it could have. I didn't remember. I don't remember till right now. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't look into it or anything like that. I, I heard about it somewhat. You know, he said he's looking into it with a third party. He completely maintains his innocence. So, you know, we'll just have to see what happens there. But, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, but he seems like a smart guy that should know better than that. So I don't think that would have been something he was doing. It probably, you know, if he says he got hacked or, or the phrasing he used was very specific. It was like this photo was shared without my knowledge or permission. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds yeah. like something that was prepared for him to say, but, uh, you know, norm, normally when people get hacked, they say I got hacked. Um, so okay. that, that makes it seem like, you know, something like took his phone and sent a picture or something. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Point is, um, we'll just, we'll just have to see, but he, he's, he's using different, uh, phrasing than normal when people get caught up in scandals like this. So if that, yeah, hopefully, hopefully whatever that's worth. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll move on to SmackDown now, unless there's anything else for NXT that I forgot. Uh, that was good. We didn't get any killer cross this week, did we? No, we didn't. Okay. That's weird. Unless... They might have just showed. They, they, I think they showed the thing from Champa from the previous week again, but I don't think there was anything new. Did you ever see? Did you see the clip of um, Killer Cross and John Moxley working working a show together in Vegas? This is this is before Killer Cross joined NXT. Uh, short video. I didn't watch a match or anything. It was like a just a short clip. I think I saw. So I saw. I listened to the interview with John Moxley, and it was interesting. He says that. Uh, so long story short. Killer Cross made that promo video challenging Moxley without even ever approaching Moxley about it. It's just something he did on his own. Somehow Moxley saw the video, he liked it, and thought it was cool, and wanted to put it over. And I guess they had never even, they've never even met before. So somehow he reached out to Cross, they spoke, and, um, and then he noticed that, because uh, you know Moxley lives in Vegas, he noticed that Killer Cross was booked for a show that was 10 minutes away from his home. So he hit up Cross and decided just to... Uh, show up to the indie show unannounced and just uh, work that little angle with him. So that was kind of cool. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. Hey, cool. It's cool. Cause like, uh, I don't know, you know, he seems like a uh, Moxie seems like a cool dude. Uh, you know, he's not really, you know, he's kind of just uh seems like a fan friendly kind of guy. So I thought that was a cool story. Yeah. He seems like a, you know, a nice guy and a cool dude. It's just, he's just bad at everything he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so moving on to SmackDown now. Um, so, so the Forgotten Sons are like the third team to come out and interrupt the New Day's promo. And uh, they're talking about, you know, being tossed aside and treated like garbage since they came back from, you know, the war or whatever. So I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, um, didn't WWE give you a job? And, and, and not release you? Like, what do you mean you were tossed aside? Like, how many people do you think are pro wrestlers versus how many people serve in the military? 
Like, what do you think the ratio is to that? You're talking about being tossed aside and forgotten, but you work in the WWE. Interesting how you, it, it's hard to feel sympathy for you for being forgotten because you have a job uh, and you didn't get released when you probably could have and no one would have cared. Um, just, just something funny I noticed. Um, just I'm going to say, man, that promo was over with me. Like for the first, I'm actually into the Forgotten Sons now. I, I, thought, <laughs> they, I thought they looked good and, uh, you know. Hey, hey, look, everybody. Sergio likes the Forgotten Sons. Let's all point and <laughs> laugh at him. <laughs> they they highlight they did they did highlight Riker as well, which I thought was cool. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, cool, man. All right, well, whatever. Uh, so um, there was a funny uh thing when they were talking about Rob Gronkowski. You know, now that he's uh gonna be playing in the NFL again if they ever have a season. Um, and they were talking about it, since he's the twenty four seven champion and Corey graves is saying how gronk says he's had to take precautions like third party security cameras installed all over the stadium and then Corey graves uh slips in a line and says i'm sure he knows a guy that can help with that which is very funny um if you know what he's referencing um and if you don't like sergio then you would just probably missed it or were confused um, but he's he's just referring he's just referring to how the the New England Patriots have been caught multiple times taping the opponent's team's practices. So, mm. okay. so he just threw a little line in there. I thought it was funny. Uh, so I know Sergio. I know Sheamus has been on a roll lately. You know, beating guys up and everything like that. But I've never seen Roman Reigns get beat so fast. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought he wasn't even supposed to be mentioned on TV unless it's like in an USO entrance graphic. Um, but he he got he got mauled by Sheamus here. This is uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Roman Reigns is back already and just losing to Sheamus. Like, what's up with that? Vince McMahon misses Vince McMahon misses Roman Reigns so much he had to book his uh, his doppelganger. <laughs> so funny tell me, story. Tell me, tell me you didn't think that as soon as you saw that guy, whatever his name was. I just so his name is a uh, I don't know how to pronounce the last name Daniel Vidit or Vido, but uh, he's a Vido, former rugby yeah. player. Former rugby player from the UK, uh, good-looking dude. When he when he got signed, he had short hair. He look he looks nothing like Roman Reigns, really. But he's letting his hair grow out. He's got the same kind of tattoos, and he's also Samoan as well. But he's not. He's like like Samoa Joe. He's not a part of the actual Samoan family. Uh, he's just his own Samoan. Um, but yeah, he's 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 got to cut that hair, dude. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know when Roman's coming back. I mean. You might as well better grow it out longer. Um, it could be like it, what they should have done was they should have saved this, like wait till his hair was grown out and then start promoting that Roman Reigns was coming back and then just do the whole Undertaker thing from 94 where they had Brian uh, Clark come in and play the fake Undertaker. They should have just had the fake Roman Reigns. That would have been great. <laughs> you know, you don't think so? That would have got so much heat. I would do. That's a genius idea I just had. It's too late now, but um, yeah, man, should have had the fake Roman Reigns. Um, so let's see. So then we got um, after what was I don't remember what was happening when they said this, but there was a there was a point where uh, both. Both Corey Graves and Michael Cole said the exact same thing twice. Did you notice that? I didn't know. They said the exact same thing. It was almost like, if I had to guess, Vince McMahon 
yelled in both their headsets to say something. And then they didn't know which person they were talking to. So they both said it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, so Corey, Corey, Corey Graves says, uh, Corey said, I'm absolutely speechless. And Cole's like, I'm absolutely speechless. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't catch that. And then Corey Graves is like, I'm just shocked. And Cole's like, I'm just shocked at this. (laughs) Like it, it was, dude, it was so blatant. I actually ran it back several times just to listen to it and try to get a feel for it. And that's the best explanation I could come up with is that someone was talking in their, both their headsets and they didn't, they, he didn't specify to who. So they both said the exact same thing. Cause it was so close. Um, I forget, I forget what it was that was, uh, that they were referencing. Um, but what match was it? You know, I, that's what I'm saying. I can't remember. I didn't make that note. I should have made that note. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was weird. Something's up. And um, I don't like it. Anyway, there was a bunch of other bullshit on this show. It didn't really matter till the we got to the main event, which was Triple H Appreciation Night. Um, so you know, this is basically supposed to celebrate 25 years of Triple H, and uh, 25 years is like the length of time it used to feel like that he was cutting a promo every Monday night to start the show. But you know, I guess it was really like 25 years. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about I, this. <laughs> Go well, ahead. I would have been, I would have been 13. Remember I told you that story, how I triple H and uh, stone cold came to the local San Diego library. And that must've been right around that time. Cause he was still doing his Hunter Hearst Helmsley gimmick. Yeah. Well, he was, yeah. In 20, in 20, 2000, two, 1995 is when he made his debut. Um, it was, I think, right after WrestleMania 11. Or, yeah. It was either right after or right around then. So, that's 25 years ago. And, basically, they come out and Shawn Michaels comes out and they, they do a bunch of stuff. And it's just, like, really kind of um, awkward and embarrassing. And then, uh, you know, uh, then Vince McMahon comes out. And then watching him makes me understand why he doesn't like to be on camera anymore. I mean, he looked like um, he looked like a like a puppet on strings almost. He was like bouncing around, like weird, like he was moving very strangely. He looked like a like a puppet. Looked like basically like a puppet. Like when you see a puppet, um, like a marionette, and how their their body's just like bouncing around. That's kind of what Vince McMahon looked like. Uh, and he he wasn't making any sense. And it was kind of sad and just kind of like the whole thing. So he's getting older. That's for sure. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, t- t- to me, he's one of the, he's one of my uh, all time favorite on screen characters of all time. You know, his promos are great. So I guess it's easy to kind of compare him to the Vince McMahon you remember. And, you know, he's obviously, you know, he's with age, he's going to go downhill. Of course, of course. But nonetheless, uh, I I don't like it. And I didn't like anything about this. Um, There was one funny part where Triple H wanted to spit the water. And then a a guy with a a face mask came and took it away from him before he could do it. (laughs) That was that was kind of funny. But the rest of it was just, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, the segment was a little awkward. Yeah. Not a not a not a not a big fan of it, but uh, don't worry, that wouldn't be the last of it because we still got Monday Night Raw to talk about. Um, which the top story here before let's get out of the way the the huge story on Monday Night Raw. Jinder Mahal's back, everybody. Jinder Mahal is back, former WWE champion, former uh, three man band champion. Um, he's he's here. He's finally here. He's got a haircut too. Uh, so it's been a year. Yeah, now now that that's out of the way, um, oh, it's Samoa Joe's back too. He's on commentary. You know, not as not as important as Jinder Mahal. So, uh, yeah. So okay. So we start out with the VIP lounge, and um, you know, all kidding aside, the thank goodness for MVP. He really has been the MVP since he's been back. Uh, you know, everything he does is great. It's very funny. Little things he does, like when he takes the microphone away from um. Who had the microphone in there? Apollo Cruz or something? Like Apollo Cruz about to say something got interrupted, and uh, like they hit, uh, they hit. Um, whose music was it? Was it uh, Andrade's music? So they hit Andrade's music, and <laughs> Apollo Cruz is standing there with the microphone, looking like, ah. and then MVP like reaches over and takes the microphone away from him. This is a little thing like that. It's very funny. He's just trying his best, you know. <laughs> even, though, even though the show's the shits and. He knows it. He's trying to be entertaining and just trying to show these guys, you know, how a superstar really acts, you know. Um, so, Sergio. I do have to, I do have to put over Rey, <clears throat> Rey Mysterio's t-shirt. I think it's one of the coolest wrestling shirts I've seen in a long time. Oh, are, are you going to get one? Uh, I don't think so, but um, if I were to get a shirt, I'd, I'd probably get that one for sure. Yeah. Well, how about, what do, uh, how about your son? Does he, would he like it? They I'm probably sure wear the same size, so. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, so, uh, so Sergio, we know that um, you finally, you spoke into existence, and you finally have your dream faction. I mean, your dream faction did consist of, like, 100% <laughs> Mexicans before, but you substituted in one Austin Theory, and that's not too bad. So I, I'm sure that you've really been enjoying this. Um yeah, I'm just. I like Austin Theory. Um, I did want the uh, Mexican alliance. I thought that would have been cooler. Austin Theory seems a little uh, out of place, but you know, um, it makes sense because you know, Zelina Vega is she's a businesswoman and she's not just recruiting Mexicans. So you know, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, you know, it's like you know, three out of three out of four ain't bad. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a good group. Uh, and um. So, uh, but they're, but I noticed they're, they're, they're basically getting all the, all the screen time on raw lately. You know, this is even better than you probably could have imagined. It seems like every time I turn around, um, it's this, it's this Selena Vega crew and, um, she's out, she's out there cutting, uh, wrestling (laughs) promos, you know, like the bad kind, which are even more brutal with no fans, you know, like sometimes when you do a, a promo and there's no fans, it's good. Like when Sonya Deville did the promo, um, but sometimes when you cut a wrestling promo, it's bad when there's no fans. Like it's even more noticeable when there's no fans. It's bad when there is fans, but it's even worse. And you know, Zelina's not. I'm I'm gonna say like she's not the best promo, and she's very generic, and her delivery is very poor, and it's just like the most like cookie cutter generic cadence and. Uh, <clears throat> 
just very, very much like very brutal, very brutal is the only word I can use to describe listening to her talk. And I like her, but unfortunately, well, you don't agree. You think her promos are good. Yeah, I like your promos. Well, you can't. You can't, Sergio. You're not allowed to like them because they're just as corny and generic as everybody else that you don't like. So, you know, just because you like her doesn't mean you can like her promos. Sorry. I mean, that's, when I think of a bad promo, I'm thinking Ricochet, Apollo Cruz, Cedric Alexander. I don't think uh, Selena Vega. I would add her into that group. I would take Ricochet out. <laughs> but his pro- well, his promos, <clears throat> his promos haven't been good. Um, they have not been written well for him. They're not giving well, him... I, If he did his I own promos, they'd be better. I use them as an example because uh, they did the After Raw backstage deal that you see on YouTube, and uh, Cedric and Ricochet kind of cut a little promo, and it was just uh, no. kind of awful. No, but no, but Apollo Crews and Cedric Alexander are not the best at promos. Right. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I would, put, I would put Zelina in their same ballpark. Uh, it's just, you know, they're ma- she's managing guys you like, so maybe you look at it different. Uh, but my God, the length of this six-man tag. How fucking long was this? This is like 35 minutes or something? It went forever. I couldn't believe Too it. Too long. There's no, there's no reason to have matches that long, dude. You have, you have enough guys there. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, that and... You you can tell they're just filling time. Like, I get it, man. I get it. These aren't the ideal circumstances for you to be doing a show. But there's other ways you could fill time. You don't you you don't have to do this. Uh, guess what? Triple H Appreciation Night is still on. Because we're showing all the same clips of Triple H matches and career moments that we did on SmackDown. That just in case yeah. you missed it, or if you didn't see it for the past 25 years, here it is. Um, just fill more time. Uh, there was supposed to be a triple threat match uh, with these women. It seemed very intriguing to have Asuka, Nia Jax, and uh, Shayna Baszler uh, because it's like, oh my God, who's going to be shooting on who in this match? You know, it's almost, it's either, <laughs> it's either, it's either everybody's going to be shooting or nobody's going to be shooting because nobody wants to get shot on. So I'm like, ooh, very intriguing. And then there was no match really. Um, it was just like, a th- it just never really got started. It started outside. But there's no disqualification in the triple threat match. So, I mean, why couldn't you still have the match? Or why couldn't you have just... I don't know. It, it was just very weird. Um, in any case, uh, there was some uh, there was some rough-looking stuff in there. Any comment on this? This this three this three-person fracas with ladders? No, no comment. Although, um, on a side note, I don't know I don't know what triggered me to do this, but I I googled Nia Jax nude. I think yesterday, and um, I saw some pretty legit looking ass shots. She's got a pretty big ass. Um, nonetheless, as, as I put over every week, I have a crush on Nia Jax. It's obvious, and uh, I think she's pretty hot. That's my comment. <laughs> Moving right along, um, <laughs> so we we had a uh, so we got a U.S. title match, which was booked by slapping. Um. I guess all you got to do, like, this is a good note if you're an aspiring wrestler and you want to win a, like, you want a championship match, just go slap the champion. You know, that always seems to work, <laughs> right? Um, Paulo, Paulo Cruz slaps uh, Andrade and gets a title match. So, 
even though we, we don't know how many more Triple H clips they had booked for later on, like we're going to have to cut a few of those out so they can have an impromptu title match. And uh, so sure enough, they did. And typical of today's wrestling psychology, um, Apollo Crews gets his leg worked on, you know, uh, the entire match, but still gets all of his like moonsaulting offense in. Just as long as you grab your leg after you do your move, it's okay, right? Seth Rollins taught us this. Yeah. Do whatever you want on your bad knee. As long as you grab it afterwards, it's good. It's fine. Um, I, you know, I, I hate I hate that. We have yet, I, I, in recent memory, I can't think of one single match where they legit sold, I, where they legit sold whatever they were selling. And I will say, I don't know if, maybe you watched the match. It was Young Bucks versus um, Santana Ortiz, right? Did you watch that match where one of them really sold the leg? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think I think you did watch. It was a pay per view that I ordered. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, but you're right. Yeah, they just don't. Um, it throws me off when they when they do that. Yeah, well, they're the worst. I mean, you know, Matt Jackson's the guy's like, "Ow, my back, my back." Well, let me uh, let me do a Northern Light suplex on two guys, but my back. No, 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 no. They they did a good job of selling. Is, is, mm. what, is what I was referencing. I've never seen them do a good job of selling, so it couldn't have been that match. Uh, yeah, so anyways, the finish was stupid, right? Because in a, in a working way, they work, his, they work his knee the entire time, and then he comes and he jumps off the, uh, the top rope. Doesn't even do a move. This is like the time in the match where I'm going to jump off the top rope, but you're going to move, but I'm going to see you move, and I'm going to land and roll and get ready to do my next move. But instead of landing and rolling, he just lands and crumples and then hurts his leg. And then the referee comes over and like stops the match because his leg is too hurt. Uh, so even though he's been clutching it all match, the same selling it the same way until it's time for him to do his moonsaults or his inseguries or his standing four fifties or whatever it does, whatever else he does that needs his, the power of his leg. Um, and, uh, unfortunately this was too much and they had to stop it. And, um, so that's a stupid finish in my opinion, cause it's a work. Uh, I understand yeah, so, what they're trying to do, but go ahead. Yeah. So the work and leg injury to the point where he's, he's now going to be replaced in the money in the big match. Right. So it's like, okay. So if you didn't want Apollo Cruz in the match, why did you have him win the qualifying match? Or I know, I know in their mind what they're trying to do. They're trying to get sympathy. They want sympathy yeah. for Apollo Cruz. They want it, you know, but here's the thing, like sympathy for Apollo Crews is not, it's not going to be him crying and like limping on crutches and stuff like that. That's no one's going to care about him anymore because they did that. You know, it's just, that's not going to work because everybody knows that everything that WWE does is shitty and fake. So you don't get sympathy for Apollo Crews. It's just like. Yeah, I didn't want to see him in that match anyways, you know, and whoever they're going to. So now whoever, rather than put him in the match and give him a chance to, you know, maybe shine and, you know, do something, you know, have a high profile match, do some spots, whatever, whatever they thought that match was going to do to get him over. Now you're not going to get him over at all. And you're going to not get the sympathy you wanted on him either, because no one's going to remember that you did this in a few weeks. It's not like people are going to look at Apollo Crews down the road and be like man he almost was in that money in the bank match but he didn't get his chance because he hurt his knee and they took it away from him and no one thinks like that now what we were talking about earlier with uh uh what's the kid's name darby allen you know 
they're getting sympathy on him because he's not winning the big matches, right? That's a different way of getting sympathy and that's working. You know, that's going to get the people behind Darby Allen. They've never done that with Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews has been jobbed out. Apollo Crews couldn't even win a two-on-one handicap match when he was on the two side. So what the fuck are you doing with him now? You know what I mean? Just a bunch of idiots over there. Fuck. God, I'm getting pissed. And it's it's hot too, you know? Winter's over. Um, But uh, anyways... Um, that's what they're trying to do. And it, it, it makes no sense. You know, you, you, you give them a, you get, you put them in a, you put them in a match. That's a work. You give them an injury. That's a work. And now he's out of the match. That's a work. So, okay. Now what? So who's going in his place? And I guess we're going to find that out, but then what are you going to do with him? And what's the point of all this? Right. Um, yeah, they're trying to get him over. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to work. Um, nonetheless, um, uh, I have a really bad feeling that, uh, Baron Corbin's going to win it anyways. Baron Corbin, huh? Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I have to look at everybody that's in it and make my decision then. I I don't know who's in it. I don't care. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing Aleister Black win it. But um, I don't know. It's, it's not really his gimmick, like, though. The cash it's not in? His gimmick. Not really a gimmick for well, it's kind of it's, it's kind of a heel gimmick. But, I mean, yeah. in the past, how many baby faces have won it? Uh, John Cena. Yeah. He, he ca- and he cashed in the babyface way, which, you know, that's... He, he lost. <laughs> who, do you, who do you lose against? I don't Who's remember, but I don't remember, but he lost. He, uh, it was later, too. It was, like, way later. Um, but they they already done that uh, gimmick with uh, Damian Sandow. So, um, but, but uh, no, I mean, a babyface can, a babyface can win it. So like if Alistair Black, he could still win it. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily put the title on him because, or I, I wouldn't put that. I wouldn't put not the title, but the briefcase. I wouldn't put the briefcase on Alistair Black uh, because who's he going to challenge right now? He's going to challenge um, Drew McIntyre, and you don't want that yet because you don't want to beat Drew McIntyre, and you don't want to really beat Alistair Black either. So yeah, yeah. That, that, there's just no point in giving him the briefcase. But if Alistair Black did get the briefcase. Um, he could just do the standard. I'm gonna challenge you ahead of time and set a date. That's usually what the baby faces do. They don't they don't cash in after somebody's beaten up. Usually, they just uh, you know they just say I'm gonna fight you at this pay per view or whatever. You know, so that that's still fine if you want to do that. But it's just not really time for him uh, just yet. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else is in it. So I don't know. Nonetheless, I, I can't wait to see uh, Braun Strowman versus uh, Baron Corbin. Man, <laughs> the main event anywhere in the world. Uh, so speaking of not getting over, so these Ever Rise guys got their, got their their dream match of being on Raw, um, and Cal. they so, make they make um, what the hell is his name? Um, who's trying to, They make Chuck Taylor look like Brock Lesnar. He's like these guys are like these guys are the definition of jobbers, dude. They are, and and they and they they didn't they didn't get released. Bless them. They they try so hard, you know. Um, well, they knew they needed uh, guys to do jobs on all these uh, empty arena shows for the next several yeah. weeks. So, um, but here's the thing: like I, I said, these guys were never gonna, you know, be anybody or be on TV. And when I said that, what I meant was as as regular talent. I didn't mean like getting called up to do jobs. That's not what I meant. So I'm still right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. The thing about it is like there's no point in these guys working hard because they were out there working hard. Like you could tell they were like, this is our chance. 
we got to impress somebody. You can tell by the way they work, you know, and they, they worked Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, you know, and those guys seem like really nice guys and they're going to give them a little bit of offense and shit instead of run over them like they should. But, uh, you know, it's like you just look at these guys and you're just like, it doesn't matter if you work hard. It doesn't matter if you impress anybody. Um, it, it's just never going to happen for you. I'm sorry. And it reminds me of a story that I don't I haven't told on the show. I i don't even know if I've told you before, but I'll, I'll tell it to you now because it's, it's relevant. So when, um, you know, because you've been extra talent before. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that they tell you, right, is uh, bring your gear. Cause you never know. Right. That's one of the yeah. things that that's just part of being a wrestler. Like no matter where you go, bring your gear. Um, because you never know. And so when you go to work at the Raws and Smackdowns and stuff, you brought your gear, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And then maybe you even, uh, got to work out in the ring a little bit. Maybe. Did you? I did. Yeah. I actually, I worked, uh, M dog. What was his, uh, Lucha underground name? M dog. Uh, you know, Matt, Matt Cross. Matt Cross. Yeah. Yeah, I got to work him, yeah. Oh, yeah, and in, uh, yeah, in Lucha Underground, he was like um, some some biker name. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. I, I, I almost worked Del Rio in an actual dark match, but uh, unfortunately, uh, J, uh, J.D. Maverick got that got that gig. I was pretty fuck. J.D. Maverick? Who the fuck is that? That sounds Ooh. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, J.D. Michaels? Oh, yes. J.D. Michaels. Yeah. Well, because it wasn't that, um, what was he in TNA? Like Michael Shane? Was that him or is that somebody else? No, no, no. He was never on TV. He was an OVW, maybe. Not on TNA. Maybe, I thought he went, he went there. No, he was never in TNA. Uh, sure. Maybe J. I think JD may have came in after you left. That's a possibility. No, I thought he was Shawn Michaels. He did everything like Shawn yeah. Michaels. He chewed gum like Shawn Michaels. He fixed oh, yeah, his yeah. tights like Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So that guy you, wasn't so in to... TNA never? No, never, no, never in TNA. So, all right. Well, anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically the point is you bring your gear because you're always going to be, you always want to be ready, right? And just in case. Now it's probably not going to happen, but whatever. You never, never know when those opportunities are going to come. That's what they teach you. You always have to be ready. Um, so I've never been to Raw and SmackDown as extra talent. I only went as extra talent one time, WrestleMania. So... If there's one day I'm like, well, I can leave my gear at home. It's this day, right? Um, <laughs> right? So, like, yeah, I, don't, I don't even bother. I'm like, no, I just got, you know, I got my, I got my dress clothes. I'm going up there. It's, it's good. We're good. I, I can relax. Um, and so, that's no, basically. Sorry. Did, 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 everybody, did everybody else bring their gear? Were, like, were you the only one that didn't bring it? No, I don't, I don't think anybody else really bought it because everybody kind of, even Pat Buck, you know, that stowed away in the fucking, the back of a lowrider's truck or whatever. Like <laughs> he sat, he sat in the back of the truck in the flatbed part. Um, well, Pat he Buck, Pat Buck is, doesn't, he doesn't have to bring his gear. He'll just steal somebody's gear. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that may have been a different reason, but either way he didn't bring it. Right. Um, that's awesome. And, uh, so, so basically nobody brings their gear, right? So we all get up there, you know, all the OBW guys, there's some, um, there was some, probably some deep South guys, maybe one or two. I didn't recognize when I, when we got up there and there was of course the local talent the, from the people from the Detroit area or surrounding areas. So those are guys I hadn't seen before. There was maybe like a handful of those guys, five, six, I didn't count them, 
you know, but there were guys that I didn't recognize uh, from anywhere. So I was like, oh, these must be the local guys. So one of the guys, um, he fucking changed, like when, during the day when we're all just like, you know, there's nothing to do all day at WrestleMania. If you're an extra talent, bro, <laughs> like there ain't shit to do, right? You just sit in cater yeah. and just hang out, right? And that's probably true on most days. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but really for WrestleMania, cause you know, they're not going to use you for anything, but the part they're going to use you on. And so you're just, you're just kind of walking around meeting people saying hi, you know, chatting with the guys that, you know, stuff like that. And this guy, there's one guy of all the guys, not even all the guys from the locals, but one guy, he changed into his workout gear. He had the tank top. He had the, the like basketball shorts. And he had knee pads and boots on. And he was just like walking around. And like everybody, <laughs> everybody was kind of looking at him like, uh, like us, like us guys, the OBW guys. Like we were looking at him like, look at this motherfucker over here. Like uh, if there's any day, bro, you're not getting used, bro. Like I understand that you think you're going to get used, like, or not that you think you are, but like you hope that if someone sees you, they might pull you aside and be like, "Hey, can you do this or that?" It's not going to happen. The, there's they have half the roster that ain't working that night. They're, they've got like fifty guys that they're going to come to before they come to some some random local indie guy in his basketball shorts walking around. Okay, so he didn't get it. Um, and I like when I see Everrise, like I think of those. I think of that guy. Like it's just like guys, it's, it's not going to happen for you. You know, you can't, you can't grow any more inches taller for one. And you, you can have the best bodies in the world, but you're just not gonna, you're, you're not going to have a better body than, you know, even like a gender Mahal or somebody like that. You, you can't out body anybody here. You're not going to out height anybody here. You're not even good workers. Really? You know, there's just nothing there. You're there to lose to guys like Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, who you look small next to. That's what you're there for. So if they got if they got super tan and jacked, maybe, but they've been with the company long enough to arrive. I've seen zero improvements. So I don't I don't know what they're I don't know what they're doing on a daily basis. But they're not a Sergio, they're, they're not working out. Sergio, they're still short. Yeah, they, yeah, they were tan and jacked, which they which they weren't gonna get. Um, the the they think of how much gas they would need to get on to even approach jacked. And then you're going to fail a wellness policy. So, you know, they're not, you know, you're not exempt from the wellness policy or any of those levels. So, you know, bless those guys' hearts. I wish nothing against them. I'm just letting them know that they're that guy walking around Ford Field at WrestleMania 23, the only one dressing his gear. Um, that's basically who they are right now. Um, so... In addition to all the uh, Triple H memory lane stuff, there's way too many packages about uh, Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins on this show for something that's like not been going on that long. Like they've only had an issue for like a couple of weeks and they, they've they showed like two or maybe three packages of the same footage, you know, on this show. And I'm like, are you really trying that hard to convince me that this is an important match? Because it's not working. And, um, you know, and then we get to the main event, which is, of course, a contract signing. It's no surprise that these are the lowest ratings in the history of Monday Night Raw this week, but you know, here we are. And, you know, I understand you can only, you can only point to, um, you can only point to a pandemic so many times as an excuse, uh, before you just have to wake up and realize is like, your shit's just lazy, man. You're, you guys are just lazy. And, 
you know, I didn't even think it was a bad promo from Seth Rollins. Uh, he did a good job of trying to explain why he's, you know, it's the best job he's done of explaining why he's acting like he's acting, you know, but it's, yeah. it just doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. And Drew, Drew McIntyre, like, was almost cool in this. And then he started getting cute again, and it just took me out of it. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> didn't do it. Didn't do nothing for me. It almost did, but then it didn't. And um, I was barely paying attention to this whole episode. And I finally ran out of other stuff to do. And I just had to sit down and eat a meal and watch this main event contract signing. And I was like, ah, I guess, you know, what else? I wonder. I wonder what the plan is for for Drew. Um, you know, like what, what do they what do they have planned for SummerSlam? You know, I I like the idea of Drew versus Aleister Black, but you don't really see a whole lot of like babyface versus babyface main events like that these days. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, and I, and again, I don't want to do that because I don't want either one of those guys to get beat right now. True. I'm still mad that they beat Aleister Black in that like that miniature gauntlet match they had with AJ Styles and the club and stuff. Like, I'm still mad about he shouldn't have lost in that. You know, they should have done something at the end where like they got disqualified right before he was about to win. So, yeah. So other other than that, they could still say he's undefeated, but now they can't say that. And there was no point in that. There's there's no reason for that. And now two of those guys don't work there anymore. And AJ's, well, they buried him alive, so he's dead. Yeah. But you can get some of his uh, you can get some of his dirt for seventy five dollars. Um. So I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about this episode. If I miss anything, um, you know, please let me know. Yeah, I think that's all I got for Raw. Yeah. So on the on the plus side, you know, we got your dream faction is running things top to bottom um on the minus side that and everything else so yeah so um that's pretty much it is it still your favorite show because it sucks no no right now my favorite show is the AEW. because yeah, i got 10 people yeah hmm. that, that crowd makes all the difference dude what's your favorite show fuck i don't know um favorite show what's my favorite show mlw <laughs> <laughs> i didn't talk about it because there's really nothing to talk about but i mean they had week Speaking three of, of uh, week three of the um the super series between triple a and uh and mlw mlw is up four to two right now but uh you know other than i that, read something about mlw having some kind of partnership to do pay-per-views which they're which are, they're gonna start doing um i haven't been following it as closely but i saw a little clip of uh I guess David Boy Smith versus uh, Brian Pillman Jr. The finals of some kind of cup. So I guess there's been a tournament going on. No, that was a, that was months ago. Oh, was it really? Okay, that was like last year, almost. Huh. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I if I have time, I might check out some older MLW stuff. I would recommend going back and watching it when it was like just starting out. Um, that stuff was pretty cool. When you go back to the beginning, is there any guys that was on there that we now see in NXT or AEW or anything? Yeah, most of them. Okay. And I wonder whatever happened to, um, you know, what's that guy's name? The Caramel Colossus. Uh, uh, I don't know. He was a he was a, a morbidly obese guy that was pretty funny and cool. Hmm. Um, I can't remember his name right now. I can only remember his name was the Caramel Colossus. Um, yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. But yeah, I haven't seen him for a while. He might have died of a heart attack or something. But like, Jeez. 
but um yeah so i would i would definitely go back and check out some of the old shit uh because it really was better then and they've lost a lot of the talent they had but that was when tony shivani was on the call and uh you know they they still had low key and everything like that but they had mjf starting out and they had just a bunch of you know different shane strickland was the champion to start with um, so you might get a, like a different picture of him than you've probably seen since he's been in NXT. Mm, you mentioned, they... you mentioned Shivani. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jericho and Shivani on commentary together. I think they make the show super entertaining. And I, I forgot to mention earlier, I popped when Jericho, who I'm assuming was probably drinking during commentary. Uh, I believe it. He called, he called Kenny Omega a pumpkin headed dipshit. And he yeah. kept on pointing out how big of a head he <laughs> How big of a head he has. That was hilarious. Yeah, he called. He started calling him that like. <laughs> he started calling him that like three three weeks ago or so. Okay. Um, Barrington be- Barrington Hughes is the Caramel Colossus, by the way. That's the guy. Barrington Hughes. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. That's that's all we got. Um. Uh, unless I forgot anything, Sergio, did I leave anything out? Um, anything else you want to bring up? Anything uh, else you think, just remembered? I think that might be it, actually. Any other Patreons you want to subscribe to for softcore porn? No, to, just Jordan Grace. Do your uh, custom custom match orders, you know? No? Uh, Are you excited for uh, tonight's no disqualification tag match with the best friends versus uh, Jimmy Havoc and uh, Kip Sabian? Nope. Not even a little bit. But, um, you know, it's it's always a potential for a, a train wreck and more material for me to go off on those guys for our show. So that's, yeah. that's really the most I can ever hope for, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much going to do it, um, for us. Um, as usual, uh, you can find us on all social medias and drop us a line. Um, and don't forget to, uh, you know, give ratings and reviews on all your platforms of choice. And, um, Make this the number one wrestling podcast in the world. Well, we got a ways to go, but we're getting there. Uh, and um, so at the social medias, that'll be at Opinion Haver for me everywhere on all forms. And Sergio, you are at? Instagram, you can find me at uh, Sergiozilla. And Twitter, Mr. Sergiozilla. Simple enough. So that's going to do it for us. We have been two in and we are now out.